Hey everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton, and joining me again this week are the ones that I have deemed the Brothers of Destruction, WWE Don't At Me, and I have some news about these gentlemen, but I'm going to let them introduce themselves first. Go ahead, Nate, Willie, say hello to everybody. Yo, what's up everybody? Hey, how's it going? It is gooing well. Hey, there is that Dragon Quest spirit. Hey. Um, so, uh, right off the bat, uh, just a little house cleaning, and I'm touching my mic while I'm talking right now, so it's going to be noises that I can't edit out, so enjoy all that, everyone. Um, That's ASMR, baby. <laughs> Good Foley work. So, as you guys know, um, Ryan has had a lot of life happen and hasn't been able to be on recently, um, and you guys have come in clutch and been on and i super duper fucking appreciate that because it is much easier to um have people to bounce things off of than to just talk into a moan about wow i can't even talk into a microphone <laughs> talk into a microphone you have us. yeah right jesus christ uh it's hard to talk into a microphone by yourself i don't know how james does it every week uh, on the jrpg report like although he is giving news which i think is a little easier than trying to like convey how much you like a game but like even still, kudos to him that he can do it every week because it's a pain. So, like, I super duper appreciate you guys uh, coming on. So, that being said, um, I would like to formally uh, introduce Willie as a co-host for the show. Yep. So, you know, round of applause. Yay! Golf claps all around. And Sorry for me. And Nate, uh, I have delegated to what I would like to call a perma guest host, which is exactly what I have uh ryan as now and i'll and i'll tell nate the same thing i told ryan and it's that like whenever you guys have time and you feel like being on you're more than welcome to come on and be on an episode the only difference is whenever a shitty game gets pulled i'm gonna say haha willie you have to play this with me and nate can say haha willie you have to play that with him because <laughs> <laughs> but uh but again like for both of you and for ryan like, obviously, it's not an obligation, you know, there's ever any things that come up in life or you just need a week off or anything. Like, obviously, you're more than welcome to take it. Like, this is, you know, this is it's just a podcast. But, like, I, I super appreciate you guys, um, and I look forward to many more episodes of us talking about random bullshit and video games. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Glad to be able to help you out and just I enjoy being on the show with you, buddy. Yeah, it felt really good to be able to talk to you about some of the behind-the-scenes things, going through the guest host era and all that, and really nail down some plans for, like, you know, episode structure. Watch the, like, crazy spreadsheets you made and all that. Like, the, I don't know, just the amount of seriousness you take into the show is, like, crazy to see. And I'm glad that you were able to bounce your ideas off people and that we were able to, you know, in turn, give you, you know, helpful feedback. Yeah, for sure, for sure, man. And speaking of fucking spreadsheets, so this maniac, I've, I've crammed a lot of uh, a lot of Dragon Quest Eleven in the past few days, and that's because um, one night this week I was like, you know what, I'm gonna add the genre and the Metacritic score. Actually, I, I, no, I'm sorry, I just started off on my. I'm just gonna add the genre to every game on the list, and I started doing that, and I got to about g on the list right and i started being like there's got to be an easier way than having to click through how long to beat and then go into the game to look to see the genre so i was like i wonder if metacritic has a genre so i went on metacritic and yeah as soon as i would click the game it would boom it would bring up the game the genre and then the metacritic score so i was like 
oh, well, I could add the Metacritic scores while I'm at it. So I started at G and added genre and Metacritic score all the way down from, like, number, I don't know, 400 and something all the way down to 1400 and something. And then had to go back from one to wherever I started and finish the Metacritic scores for those. But it's done now. It took me two days. Uh, wow. I can't believe you actually did it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took me uh, two solid days of waking up at like 7 o'clock at night, uh, pounding myself with caffeine and typing all night. Like I would shout out to Outside Xbox on YouTube. I love you British motherfuckers. Um because your, your guys' playlist of all your list videos and, like, your live D&D streams and stuff, like, got me through all of that typing. Because <laughs> it was like I had something on to listen to in the background. And uh, I will fight anyone that disagrees that Jane Douglas may be the prettiest woman on the planet. Well, pretty prettiest British woman. I, I, don't, know how to, I don't know how to word it. Uh, I have a major thing for her. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> she's, she's awesome. Uh, I'm rambling now, uh, but anyway, yeah, I finished. I finished up the list, um, and now like I would eventually like to add uh, the release dates and the uh, developers and publishers to the list too, because it's kind of like eventually I just want this to be my catalog. You know what I mean? Where I can go and I have all the info about the game and all that jazz. But oh, it is so time consuming. And yeah, absolutely, sounds like it. And I'm a, I'm a crazy motherfucker where I can't just be like, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm going to do the A's today, and then tomorrow I'm going to do the B's. It's like, no, I'm going to see how much of this I can get done at one time, because I'm a psychopath. <laughs> or a glutton for punishment, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But I can tell you, uh, I was tired of fucking typing after you know after it was all said and done. When I loaded it up Dragon Quest, I was like, oh man, the burnout's not so bad right now, because I'm so burned out on typing that playing playing this game is... Is like really refreshing, <laughs> which uh, so before we get into Dragon Quest, um, real quick, I know uh, Willie, you wanted to touch on some Nintendo E3 stuff. Oh yeah, so we um, we covered the first week of E3, or I mean, you know, the first few days of E3 on the last episode. Um, we didn't really have a lot to uh, talk about with the other, um, you know, uh, other developers since between then and now but we speculated last time about who the smash character would be i think nate held out that it would be crash or spyro i said it would be a nintendo first party disappointment dalton did you have a prediction yeah i thought it was gonna be doom guy yeah i i wanted it to be doom guy still i don't think even though it was so clear that bandai namco did not have a like unique character outside of like pac-man in the game they felt like they were due for representation none of us had kazuya mishima on the board and welcome him to the smash man right yeah that was definitely a surprise for sure um i'm i'm not really too familiar i hadn't played a lot of tekken before but you know ryu's really fun in smash terry's really fun in smash throw another fighting game character in there let's learn some more act like not active input let's learn some more input commands let's go yeah he did the 10 hit string in there that was so crazy i was like so the reveal trailer kind of just shows him somebody just shows somebody carrying Ganon towards a volcano and I'm watching it and I'm like, I see the kind of outline of Kazuya and I'm like, or Kayuza. Kazuya. Kayuza. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Sorry. This, this trailer thing I'm looking at has it misspelled. It says Kayuza DLC <laughs> character. Shame on them. 
yeah, so Kazuya, I saw his outline, and I'm like, I know who that is, but I can't think of his name. And I was thinking Jin, mm. which is another Tekken character, you know, but I was like... It's another Mishima. It's in the family. That would have been, yeah. I thought, more obvious than Kazuya, actually. And when, when he dropped him in the volcano and it showed that it was Kazuya, I went, no shit. Because I had just reinstalled Tekken 7, like, the day before. <laughs> Because I've been I've been itching to play some fighting for some reason, so I was like, I'll get down on some Tekken, and I was like, that's cool, man. I said, that's uh, I would actually I would pay for him in Smash. So when that trailer was dropping, I was like on voice chat with uh, a couple of my friends, and then I was also on like text with Nate too. And like the moment the volcano showed up, I just yelled out like, "It's Tekken!" Like I was like <laughs> so stoked because Tekken was not even a thought for me there. I didn't actually expect that. I don't know why, because yeah. I guess because in the past, um, for Part 4, uh, Smash for uh, 3DS and Wii U, uh, Sakurai had said they wanted to put Heiachi in the game, but thought that the inputs would be so far away from the game that they couldn't reasonably do it. But you know what? That's the same logic as when Sakurai said for Part 4, Ridley's too big for the game. Well, guess who's here? Ridley's here. He's not too big. And a Tekken character is here. The inputs are not too impossible. Nothing is impossible anymore. The the inputs are too impossible, yet they literally made Pikachu a fighting character. Like, I believe, like, if they could take a Pokemon and make them a fighting character, like, they can take a fighting game character and put it into a fighting game. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm calling it a fighting game because I got a lot of flack the other day for calling it not a fighting game. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, there's that. Um, and and Nate, I I, I, d- I remembered like what I was trying to say the other day. I was just very very stoned trying to talk about what I was trying to convey, and it was not happening. When I say brawler, I mean like a uh, like a beat 'em up style fighting game, like uh like Brawlhalla, uh, Super Smash Brothers, uh, Brawl Out, all the all the games that have like brawl in their title. Like <laughs> I just consider those quote unquote brawlers because there's more than just two people. It's kind of like chaos going on. There's a big, biggish level. That was just what I was getting at, and I know I did not convey that very well the other day. So, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that clears a little bit of it up. <laughs> um, I think you just were trying to remember the phrase "platform fighter" and just couldn't come up with it. Yeah, yeah, that and uh, beat him up. Like I couldn't remember beat him up either. Like my brain had just completely shut off and was like, "Nope, you cannot talk right now." It's, you were just going to keep saying words that. No, it, everyone's gonna be like yeah we, we heard you but we don't know what you mean and it's like ah well uh <laughs> it's uh uh yeah i don't know <laughs> i think someone in that chat said also in japan apparently uh there's a fighting game subgenre where if the characters don't largely have the auto turnaround it's called free fighter which i also thought was a pretty cool like title for the genre so uh i don't know if anyone wants to say smash isn't a quote fighting game because it's a free fighter i i get that I get that. I I would call it a subgenre, which I think is what me and Nate were arguing with you at that point. And yeah, I don't I don't disagree at all that it would be a subgenre. But to me, like when I think of a fighting game, it's like you, you know, like your Tekkens or your Street Fighters or anything like that, where you got one character and one character fighting, and then you might have like you know where one character loses and another one comes in. But at any time, there's usually only two characters on the screen. That was all I was getting at. And I think even the definition of fighting game can be expanded too, because. I mean, realistically, UFC games are basically fighting games, you know? Yeah, as are wrestling games. Yeah, yeah. In a, in a sense. You know, you're trying to get your opponent's eight health down enough that you can beat them. Like, 
Yeah. No, I think the only thing that makes the UFC and wrestling and platform fighters games different from the traditional fighting game is just the win condition is something other than reduce them to zero damage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, even that depends on the game because I think there's a mode in a Fire Pro Wrestling world where you can turn it on and whoever loses their HP first gets knocked out and they lose. So. Oh yeah, they had that in the Game Boy version. It was like a fake UFC mode almost where you could like knock people out. Yeah, they, they still have the UFC mode. That's awesome. I, I haven't messed with it yet because, you know, I'm all about the pro wrestling, but I, that UFC mode is there. Um, so up next, uh, something that I thought was interesting was Metroid Dread. Yeah. So those were definitely the two biggest takeaways from the Nintendo E3 stuff to me were Metroid Dread and the Smash Bros. character reveal. Also, disappointed there's not another Donkey Kong Country Returns game. Give it to me. I feel like there hasn't been a Donkey Kong game in a while. There hasn't been one since Nintendo Switch in 2014. Not, not, I'm sorry, Wii U yeah. in 2014, which was Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. That wasn't the one with the bongos, right? No, that was uh, no. No, okay. Donkey Kong is what you're thinking of. That was, <laughs> I, just, I think, a GameCube title. I just remember hearing somebody beat Dark Souls with that controller, and I'm just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, people beat that fucking game with anything these days. I don't understand. I've seen some wild, yeah, I've seen some wild games play through <laughs> the Donkey Bongos. They, that is really cool, but... Metroid, man, Metroid Dread, they they call it Metroid 5 in the uh, thing, which is like Metroid Fusion is Metroid 4, uh, Super Metroid's Metroid 3, so like, that also means I guess they're either writing off Other M or saying like, it didn't really count, which is, I think, kind of cool, because Other M is widely considered a game that did bad things to the Samus character, so if they're going to go ahead and say, eh, we goofed on that one, I'm pretty good with it. Or maybe they're just saying it doesn't count as a 2D Metroid, unlike, you know, the other uh, four that I mentioned. One, yeah, now, two, Super, and Fusion. Now, see, the the only Metroid I've ever played was Super Metroid. Oh, that, um, <laughs> the only Castlevania I've ever played was Symphony of the Night. You just, like, picked the best and most beloved one, man. Well, I mean, I had, a, I had a friend when I was younger who had a Super Nintendo, and that was the one he had. So, like, I was terrible at it, so I never beat it, but I had a good time with it. Um... What interests me most about this game, though, is that it was first announced in 2006. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like holy fuck, you know, talk about some fucking development hell or holding on to it for a rainy day or something. <laughs> yeah, in one of the Metroid Prime games, there's a little cutscene that says something along the lines of Project Metroid Dread, and, like, that title's been there this whole time, like, since the GameCube era. And now we're getting an actual... 2D, well, 2.5D if you want to be weird about it. 3D graphics in the 2D plane. Uh, Metroid game that, I don't know, It I thought it looked sick. Yeah, I think it looks awesome. Like I liked the little robot thing that was following you around. Yeah. And I'm just excited to see another 2D, what's going to be end up being a Metroidvania-style game. Yes. <clears throat> like, it's been so long since we've had like a big official company do one. Like We get like the Kickstarter-funded ones, but we haven't seen a real Castlevania or Metroid in such a long time, and getting a new Metroid in that style of gameplay, it just is thrilling to me, because like I know everybody loves Super Metroid, but I would argue that the Game Boy Advance games are better than Super Metroid. And to see what they may have learned from these uh, indie Metroidvanias in the meantime, like, there have been so many great games in that genre that I'm really hoping that they took some lessons from and found a new way to bring the game forward. Because I think Metroid Fusion, like you said, the Game Boy Advance games were so good. And I think one of the cool things Metroid Fusion did was take that uh, sequence break idea of doing things out of order and making it feel like you did that on purpose, you know? Yeah. And, like, the other cool thing about Metroid Fusion was it was, like, 
almost felt like playing a horror game at mm-hmm. times when there's nothing you can do to defeat the like we're going off on a tangent here, but to defeat the fake Samus that's following you around trying to kill you, like you can't actually damage them. It's like being stalked by Freddy or Jason like or Jason or Michael Myers, like it's wild. <laughs> yeah, for a series that got its original inspiration from the Alien series, I think it hit its like peak of horror with the SAX. All those little sequences where you just hear the boots of the SAX on the ground, like and I don't know, when I first played Metroid Fusion, I was it just happened that I was in public, so I played it with headphones in. The audio, when you just hear the SAX's boots, so good, man. Like, that game, you felt stalked, you felt overpowered. It, it was an awesome feeling. And I'm hoping that Dread, with the name Dread, like, I hope that they can lean into that, like, horror feeling. Yeah, um, they could take some cues from what, well, I mean, the game's already made, so it doesn't really matter. But, like, they, like I've played games like Outlast and things like that where... They're horror games, and the only option you have is to run. Like, you can't even attack. So it's nice that at least in Metroid, you have some ability to defend yourself. Because the stress that Outlast put me under was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, uh, when your only options are to run, hide, or die. And there are some terrifying moments in that game. That would be so a like, great I, tagline. Your only I, options I think, are to run, hide, or die. I think that is that is the tagline for it. Oh, nice. Like that; those are your only options. <laughs> um, so, were you, are you all excited about WarioWare at all? It's not a series that I played any ever. <laughs> so I, I always thought the concept was pretty neat, but it was never anything that I was going to shell out money for. Yeah, I, I, I've never played one. Uh, I know a couple people who are super excited for it, but to me, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I want to pay sixty dollars for a collection of really, really short mini games. Yeah, I'd play it at a friend's house, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, seeing it made me want to pick up an old version of the game instead, you know? Yeah, I figured I could like just pick it up, an old one, or emulate it. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, I haven't even watched the trailer, because I just don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's they're, good, they're good movies, right. but yeah. Um, Mario Golf, going to be fucking awesome. Look, look forward to that. Uh, probably won't get it anywhere near release, but I would like to get it eventually. I feel like it's um, a low-key killer app. Like, Mario Golf could be, like, the best game on the system, and you don't even know yet, you know? Yeah, for it, it, looking at it, it reminds me a lot of Everybody's Golf, and yes, I know me and my dad really both enjoy playing that, so I told him, I was like, man, we might have to get Mario Golf and have a new golf game to play. <laughs> um, I, was kind of, I was kind of surprised that they announced a new Fatal Frame game. Yeah, I kind of thought that the uh, sun had set on that series, but, you know, like... Me too. It's, uh... I don't know, man. More horror games, more interesting ideas. I'm down with that. I guess I should have figured maybe they're still around when Fatal Frame was put into Smash Ultimate, but I kind of figured that was like a throwback thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know much about the series. I just I just haven't heard about it for a while, so it kind of was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, it was a, a PlayStation 1 debut series, if I remember right. Like, the yep. first game had this really big, like... El- like elaborate debut they had demo discs and they invited a bunch of like photographers and journalists to one place and did this cool thing with it but like that it's still kicking today like 20 plus years later that's pretty wild because it's obviously not one that got the same attention as your silent hill or your resident evil or even alone in the dark you know yeah yeah for sure um okay okay so so the 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 two that I'll kind of wrap up on, and then there's there's one we'll talk about at the end, of course, that everybody's 
everybody's going to be talking about. But the two that actually sparked me the most, other than Mario Golf, was Super Monkey Ball. <laughs> because I have this weird nostalgia with that game because, like, my brother gave me his GameCube back in the day. And he gave me two games with it. And it was Super Mario Sunshine and Super Monkey Ball. Those were the two games that he had. And uh, I played the shit out of both of them. And I used to have a lot of fun with Monkey Ball, man. That game's so strange, but so fun. And uh, I think it'll fit really well on the Switch, especially since they're bringing like, the original three games. So Wasn't Monkey Ball originally a Dreamcast game? That is a possibility. I'm not, I'm not actually not 100% sure. Like, I want to say, I think it's one of those ones that was originally on the Dreamcast, and then the GameCube had all of this, like, Island of Misfit Toys Dreamcast games. Like, it got Ikaruga, it got, like, I don't know, uh, a lot of those games that were really big on the Dreamcast that were able to come back in slightly larger console form. I, uh, you know, I think that was you know, one of them. The, the Dreamcast is something that I always heard was a really a good underrated system, but I had a buddy... And he had Mortal Kombat Gold, and that's the only game I've ever played on a Dreamcast. Was Mortal Kombat. It was fun though. It was fun. Weird controller. Yeah, I mean weird the Dreamcast in general had like I don't know. It, it felt like it was like there were so many weird ideas that they came up with for the Dreamcast. So many strange games. Like I think we talked about Power Stone earlier when we were talking about platform fighters, and like that was a game that was ahead of its time. And like I don't know, like the Dreamcast, ugh, it was like all the potential, but Sega just was not great at being a healthy company to put out a hardware at that point in time and support it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then the, the only other game that really interests me, cause like, I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. Like they haven't shown enough of breath of wild two to make me give a shit. Mm. Like what they did show was cool and everything, but I still don't know enough to make me be like, yeah, I'll play that. Cause I haven't even beat the first one yet. Like I've got 80 hours into the first one and I think I've beaten one of the major bosses. So like, I don't know. I just haven't. I haven't sank more time. <laughs> How are you eighty hours into Breath of the Wild only beat one of the bosses? Dalton, you're really bad at pushing the objective in video games. Yeah, I was listening to the Ease Two episode or part two of Ease Eight, and you were talking about you got a letter, and you were like, "Oh well, I won't beat this game because then I'll be able to come back to it sometime. I won't finish the fourth, ca- the final castle, on the fourth disc of Final Fantasy Eight, dude. You're not even finishing disc two of this game. Come on, at least beat the Divine Beast of Breath of the Wild. Come on, my dude." <laughs> I uh, I might have beaten two by now. I, th- I know I beat the big elephant-like one, and then I was on my way to go do the one in the sky. I just don't remember if I ever beat the one in the sky. Um, I've been to all the all the villages though, and met all those people. Um, but anyway, so like they haven't shown enough to to make me super interested. Um, I mean, I'm intrigued, but it's not like a day one purchase for me or anything yet. Um, what did catch my eye was a little game that I've been waiting for them to talk about for fucking ever, and that is Shin Megami Tensei Five. I, yeah. Also, uh, I will give Nate credit, because he actually clocked that it was SMT before I even... I was like, what the hell is this? And it was like, Shin Megami Tensei? Oh, yeah. As soon as I... Well, you know, I'm a fan of that series. So as soon as I saw the graphical style, I was like, <gasps> Finally! I didn't even think he knew anything about it. That's the wild part. <laughs> um, I think just slight... You know, just cultural... Oh, wow, that is not the thing I was going to do. The cultural appropriation. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I really racist. I was going for osmosis. osmosis. I'm sorry. <laughs> cultural osmosis. 
Oh, boy. oh good lord. Um, yeah, this yeah. This show sucks. Everyone unsubscribe. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of the Persona series, and this is what the Persona series spun off of. Yeah. Was Shin Megami Tensei, and I have Shin Megami Tensei four on my 3ds. Um, I've I've dabbled in it. Um, 3ds is a little hard for me to see sometimes. Just kind of depends on the lighting in the room and stuff. It's because I'm like I don't see the best. Um, but Shin Megami Tensei. Okay, so if you like, if you took Persona, and you pulled out all of the slice of life stuff, and 95 percent of the stuff that makes you happy. You have leftover a Shin Megami Tensei game. They are very dark and like brooding, and uh, like the world is going to end, and you have to save it. You know, typical JRPG type stories and stuff, but it's very, uh, it's, it's a lot about darker. Contracts with demons and that kind of thing too, right? Yeah, it's yeah, and you have to like you know some demons want some of your health to join you and things like that. Like it's it's all about uh, give and take with convincing them to join you and it's not quite as easy as in persona where you can kind of just like talk to them and convince them like sometimes they want shit from you and it's just very bleak and uh not very happy-go-lucky but it's still a very good game and hard dude the shin megami tensei games are not fucking easy like they are punishing until you can get some like good demons on your team and start kind of getting your levels up think about like early pokemon like if you were to run into a grass Pokemon that's like level 10 and your Squirtle's like level 8, that grass Pokemon's going to hit it with Razor Leaf or something and it's going to fuck it up. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei has the same thing where like certain demons are more powerful against other ones than others. You know, they have their type advantages and all that type of shit. It's, it's, a, it's a cool concept. It's Pokemon for adults. Hey, I'm an adult and I still like the regular Pokemon. <laughs> hmm. So do I. So do I. I'm just saying, this, this, that's what I've heard this game described as, is like adult Pokemon. So maybe not necessarily for adults, but like uh, the adult-themed Pokemon. Do you like sexy yeah. Pokemon? There are um, some, some interesting looking Persona. I regret asking immediately. Well, no. <laughs> no sexy Pokemon. Uh, but there are some interesting looking demons for sure. I know in Persona 5, I fought these uh, demons that looked like little little dicks. Almost. Like... <laughs> It, uh, they definitely get interesting, but uh, is there any, if there's anything else that you guys wanted to touch on about E3? I think that's pretty much like what I. Yep. There's one more Nintendo thing I wanted to touch on, and that is how f- upset and furious I would be if I was a Mario Party fan. Oh. Be- because Mario Party, the one for the Switch, was Super released what two years ago, and has received like just got the world's smallest update like a couple months ago or something like that. And now they're coming out and releasing something. When they were showing it, I was like, oh, cool, more content for Super Mario Party. No, it's just a collection that is an additional purchase for another full game that's just like old mini games wrapped up in a new package. I'm like, dude, how could you do that? Let me go ahead and tell you. Like, so I just recently had gotten Mario Party. Like a friend of mine was like, hey, man, I'm going to gift you this because I want you to play this with us. So I was like, uh, okay. I guess. I was like, I'll pay it back. They're like, no, just don't worry about it. It was like, I'm in another little group kind of like Game Buds, but they do it on Saturdays sometimes. And uh, we, we haven't even gotten to play it yet, but when I saw the Nintendo Direct thing come on and it was Mario Party, I was like, oh, cool, I have this now. Like, this this includes me. Like, I know what the fuck they're talking <laughs> Oh, oh, 
Oh, well, God damn it. There's a new one? I just got the fucking old one. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I'd, I'd be so livid. Honestly, I would if I cared about Mario Party. But then <laughs> but then also, like, when I was looking at it, it's, it's like a collection of a bunch of old stuff. So, like, uh, I don't know. I feel like that could have easily been, like, a $20 DLC for the... It should have been free DLC for Super Mario Party on the Switch. Yeah, well, you know they're never going to give it for free. Like, Nintendo is, like, those motherfuckers will charge you a penny before they give it to you for free. Yeah. I just, I don't know, that rubbed me wrong. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree, man. I don't disagree. Um, it, yeah, I, I really did. I was, I was, like, thinking, like, as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, I remember this stuff from the 64 version. Oh, that would be cool to play. But then, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to spend another $60 just to have some nostalgia and better graphics. Like for mario party like you give me you know one of the games from my childhood that was um something more substantial than mario party then yeah i'll, I'll buy it <laughs> whatever but a fucking mario party game that's just a rehash of a bunch of old mario party stuff for full price no thanks so uh before we go any further uh do want to throw out there uh spoilers 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 um I know we're, we're not going to go as in-depth as we did last time, but um, from this point on, there are going to be things that are going to spoil major uh, points in Dragon Quest XI for you, so if you don't want to spoil the game for you, um, stop listening now. But what you should do, though, is delete the episode and then re-download it and listen to the beginning part again, and then it'll be like you listen to a whole episode, and I'll get double the downloads, and that'll be great, so... <laughs> anyway, so we left we left off we won the tournament at Octagonia and uh the um Rainbow? Rainbow, thank you. The Rainbow was stolen by Rob and he wrote us a note to meet him in Dundrasil, correct? Yes. Okay. Alright. And so like I'll go ahead and take the lead on this point too, and I'm like Dalton said, I will make this a lot more bullet pointy than last time, just highlighting the few main big pieces of it that kind of can't gloss over. So like we are saying, you leave Octagonia to head to Dundrasil to meet up with Rab and Jade. Um, you get there, you find out that Rab was the former king of Dundrasil and also your grandfather. So <laughs> from there, you learn that and Rab and Jade join the party. Um, any comments on that section? Because I know that's kind of like a huge point, and I'm just going to gloss over it otherwise. Yes, I do have a comment, actually. Um, okay. So, in the beginning of the game, when you're in the village, you have conversations with somebody who is your grandfather there, too. And Chalky. correct me if I'm wrong, um, does he not look a lot like Rob as well? Oh, shoot. Hold on. I'm actually looking at images of him. I mean, Chalky has some similarities, for sure, because they're both... Old men drawn by Toriyama. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's... only has a few And that was going to be my next thing, is like... Or did they just look alike because they were just both short, fat, round old men? Like... (laughs) I think that's more it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's funny? And not to to, uh, jump too far ahead, but uh, there was a point where uh, you, you, you see the seer. And when I saw the seer for the first time, I was like, oh, that's Eric's sister. And uh, I was wrong. It's not. That was so, actually what I thought, too. Holy shit. But straight up, I was like, she looks just like Eric. But that's because Eric looks like a boy version of all the hot girls. <laughs> so, because, I mean, hell, Jade and Eric look like they could be related. 
Yeah. I actually really did think that the uh, Sears identity was going to be um, the sister of Eric, especially because, you know, the first time we hear about the Sears, it's come off, it says she, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Even though I don't think it actually has a sex per se. Um, But so, yeah, that's just. I'll get there. That's what I wanted to touch on. It was that. So continue. Yeah, you, you will get the the identity of the seer eventually, but we're not there at this point of the game yet. Yeah. Just FYI. Um, okay, so continuing on from there, you leave Dundrasil with this newfound knowledge and are out to still try to figure out, you know, what is the actual cause of what's going on. You now have the rainbow, so you will be able to make your way towards Yggdrasil. Um, so you decide to head out into the wild ocean because you also realize at this point you need to find all the orbs, like in every Dragon Quest game. Um so you head out into the, you head out to uh, Porto Valor because Rab has a friend there that's like the leader of the town, Don Rodrigo, to get access to the ocean. Um, he's out of town for whatever reason, and his servant, yes. the best name in the game, yes, opens the gates for you. And Willie, I know you love this one so much. I'll let you tell everyone what the servant's name is. This made me so happy. The butler for Don Rodrigo. His name is Cervantes. But it's spelled like servant, but it's pronounced like Miguel Cervantes, the great Spanish writer. It's just such a fantastic Dragon Quest pun. I love the Dragon Quest pun so much. And yeah. Cervantes is like a top tier pun. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. That one is fantastic. Yeah. So from there, you get to get onto the boat and head out into the wild blue yonder. Um, and the first thing you do is you crash upon this little island that's right outside the gate. Um, and then you do a bunch of stuff with mermaids. <laughs> it's the best way to put it. And at the end of that, you are rewarded with an orb and you continue going on. And then the next place you head to is Sniffleheim, which is like the Sweden of the world. And you have to save them from a witch to which you also earn another orb, which then at that point you should have all the orbs and are able to make your way to Yggdrasil. Well, actually you go to Arboria first, which is Serena and Veronica's hometown, where they teach you how to get to Yggdrasil from there. We had to go through the first forest. And we're hitting end of disc one energy right here. You finally make your way up <laughs> to... <laughs> you make your way up to Yggdrasil and to open up the heart of Yggdrasil, use the power of the Luminary, and find that the Sword of Light is within Yggdrasil. At that moment, you the Tree of Life opens up for you to allow you to get the sword, but that's when it goes down, and I'll let one of you guys talk more about that scene. Yeah, shit goes haywire. Like, uh, you go to reach for it, and then I believe that's when, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ice, because I know that I have... Uh, binged a lot of this game in the last two days so it's kind of a blur to me so the king and sir jasper it's just jasper oh, first. it's yeah, just jasper sir first. jasper okay. shows up yeah and he is a bastard now yeah that, that motherfucker um here you go ahead you probably have it fresher on your mind than me so sir jasper shows up he starts taunting you and he like blasts you out of the way with some kind of terrible dark energy and it's like you know what the hell is going on then all of a sudden King Carnelian, you know, the guy that everyone is like, you know, he's the king of Hilidor. he's like the, the big shot, head honcho of the strongest remaining kingdom, shows up. And, like, Sir Hendrik had also been following you there, too. So, like, like that's right, right? Yeah, I believe Hendrik was with you. And so, like, Wait, what? Say that again? Sir Sorry. Hendrik had followed you up there, too, right? Right, but you don't know that at the point. Yeah, Sir where... Hendrik showed up so... to bail you out from Jasper or something, right? Like, it Correct. was weird. 
Because you get up there, I'll go ahead and go do it then. Because yeah. Jasper, you start a fight with Jasper, and you're trying to beat Jasper, but he has this dark orb that won't let any of your attacks penetrate to him. Yeah. So it's kind of just like an unwinnable battle that you fight for a few rounds, and eventually Jasper does this move that takes everybody down to one health. Classic squeeze. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, now, real quick, is that I feel like that is a game trope that I could do without the unwinnable battle. Yeah, it's not the greatest. They could have just done a cutscene. Come on. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to cutscenes too, but continue. Yeah, so at that point, um, um, Jasper's about to go ahead and murder all of you, and that's when King Car- Hendrick comes in with King Carnelian by his side and see, look, King Carnelian, we've been betrayed, Jasper is the enemy, blah, 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 blah. And King Carnelian just kind of nods, and Hendrick walks forward to take Jasper down, when all of a sudden, Boom. the king himself shoots a, bl- a ball of black energy into Hendrick's back. From behind, like a bastard. Yeah. And so Hendrick goes down and is unable to help as well. To which, at this point, Hendrick's like, what is the meaning of this? And that's when King Carnelian starts coming, having like this like seizure-esque animations and stuff like that. And another person steps from outside, <laughs> steps outside of... Um, King Carnelian's body. And so it turns out, yep, the whole time, King Carnelian's been telling us, the Dark One will be spawned by the birth of the Luminary. Yeah, no, that was the Dark One the whole time. Yeah. Yep, Mordigan, Mordigan. Lord of Darkness, had basically basically been living inside of King Carnelian for the past 18 years. (laughs) Now, I don't have a ton of uh, previous Dragon Quest knowledge. Has Mortigan been kind of like an ongoing no. villain, or is he new to this game? Completely new, fresh face to the villain. Uh, I mean, the idea of like a player behind the scenes that's the real dark villain has definitely been a Dragon Quest uh, trope, but Mortigan is completely new. This is the dark one in this universe, as far as I know. I was just curious, because I believe... I, mean, I hear Erdrick mentioned a lot, and he's the character from the first Dragon Quest, right? Uh, Erdrick is uh, your ancestor in the first Dragon Quest. Erdrick shows up a few times in the uh, original trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. I, I know. I think Mortigan looks cool. Um, what, what did I say in the chat? I was like, oh, I forgot about... Was it Frieza's buff older brother? Or... <laughs> punk rock older brother because he totally he looks like if you took frieza combined it with cell and then like took him to a bad religion show and then, like <laughs> once he came out he's got ear piercings and he's got like a, like a black and purple robe on and he's just like yeah man fuck society bring down the chains as much as i've <laughs> talked to toriyama's human faces the man can draw a great monster yeah, oh, yeah. for sure uh you know who's got an interesting face to me is hendrick I I can't tell whether like I like his character design or if his face is far too square and stiff. <laughs> I think that's kind of the character. The character is square and stiff, so I think it's actually perfectly fitting for him. Yeah, it's like he is to this that's game a fair like point. Steiner is to Final Fantasy IX. That's a fair point on both accounts. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Mordekin, he takes your luminary power, correct? Yeah, so he basically... Because you're already weakened from the fight with Jasper, so he like basically just picks you up and reaches into your heart and steals the power of the luminary from you. Which, what yeah. the fuck? How is that possible? I, <laughs> I thought he was going to kill you. Like, I thought he was ripping your heart out. Like I was like, oh, this game just got dark. <laughs> yeah, that's after he reaches in and destroys the Sword of Light as well. No, that comes right afterwards. He basically destroys the Sword of Light. So, I, I almost made a comment. I meant to make a comment 
on the group chat again to you guys, but I did an alt-tab out of the game at the moment. So he grabs the Sword of Light, and it starts transmorphing into this other sword, and I couldn't help but want to message you guys and be like, oh, so this is where the origin of Soul Calibur started. Because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the Soul Edge so, now, baby. What it reminded me of was Soul Edge. Yeah, when he grabbed it, that thing just turned into this hideous-looking... got these eyes on it? ...evil sword. Yeah, it's got the eyes and everything. Yeah. I was. I thought that was. I thought that was cool. Yeah, because he decided to transfer the sword of light to something a little bit more appropriate for himself. <laughs> and so, at that point, Morgan does one of those big villain <coughs> speeches and everything about "haha, all is lost, I have won." And then he literally blows up the world tree with everyone inside of it, except for him and Jasper leave, and then blows up the world tree. End of disc one. Yeah, and that what a fucking moment. Like you build all the way up to this this climax and you fucking fail. Yeah, like yeah. this is supposed to be your big part of the victory where you get the sword so you can finally defeat the darkness and you just get absolutely bodied and destroyed by the biggest villain in the land. Yeah, any normal length game that would have you would have beat him and that would have been the end of the game right there, you know what I mean? Like any uh game that's not a sprawling JRPG. <laughs> yeah. But this is Dragon Quest, and it's not good unless you've had a false finish. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have a couple false finishes, man. Yes, you do. <laughs> because I've been playing Dragon Quest three, and I hit the false finish of that game today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, at that point, end of disc one, everything is lost. Yggdrasil has fallen. Everyone is dead. Or so you so, think. As far as we know, the universe is all, like, the whole planet is completely messed up like Yggdrasil the when the leaves bloom on it that's when a baby is born and when a leaf falls off it that means a man or a woman or a person has died and now Yggdrasil is just a charred husk fallen below the horizon when it was always something you could see from anywhere in the world like the mythological center of this universe is dead the beautiful symbol of rebirth and regeneration is dead but all of a sudden we come back into the game somehow. Yeah, so at this point of the game, individual characters start waking up, and you basically first start playing off through Sylvando's perspective, and you do a whole set of things as Sylvando, and then you have one as um, Jade, which is awful, and I don't want to talk about it. I would like to talk about uh, Sylvando's for a moment, because his whole thing oh yeah, is bringing hope back to the world even after hope died, which I think is really incredible. Um, yeah. Totally, and I also love that, like, Sylvando was so dejected and defeated, and Dave just goes, well, that's enough of that, and slaps the fucking yeah. dog shit out of him, <laughs> and is like, quit your fucking belly aching. He doesn't say fuck, obviously, you know, but he's just like, quit, quit your bloody belly aching. You're freaking Sylvando. You know, he's just like, yeah. come on. No, no. Yeah, Dave's um, the best. The, the, the Jade one... That that one was a little odd. Uh, it made me really dislike Booga. Like he is a very dislikable character. Um, but you know, you end yeah. up having to come back to that. And yeah, yeah, I just don't like what they did with that storyline at all. Um, and I think you also have one with Eric, mm -hmm. in which Eric to get out of the situation then has to lose his memory entirely. With a uh, he meets up again. He sees a vision of the seer, and the seer tells him basically, hey. I can get you out of this, but you'll have to give up the most precious thing to you, your memory of your time with the Luminary. 
Yeah, and like your, your memories of your friends and shit, which that's a very sad scene. Yeah. Yeah, it is. When he's like floating there and you're watching the memories of all you guys just burn away like photographs. Yeah. I felt a little bad about it. Like on the first episode, I said that this like, you know, Dragon Quest is a little lower stakes, a little calm. And even though it's less tragic than a lot of RPGs, like it does get dark in part two for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Part two is very dark. Um, okay. And then I think you finally get back to waking up as the luminary like rab. i think it's after oh rab you have rab as well where he's training to become a master yeah. of what did, sagehood uh, b- b- oh yeah yeah what i don't know rab's uh in the castle the rab in dundersil oh yeah i mean if you want to go over that go ahead oh just that he actually goes he gets flashed back to um before he actually uh is getting trained or whatever and he, that is he sees himself as the uh king's father or not the king's father the queen's father in the kingdom of Undersil before the fall and he realizes over time that you know what he's seeing is like false memories and he you know rises up but you get to see like you actually get to see your own character as a little baby you know it's, it's kind of sweet what's funny to me is after all the character dump in Dundrasil when you were there talking to him and about how he was his, fa- his grandfather all that still did not realize that he was king until this flashback <laughs> And they started calling him Lord Robert, and I was like, Robert? Who the fuck is that? And then I was like, oh, Rab! Oh, that's right! (laughs) I don't know if we've talked about it before, but Rab speaks in a very thick Scottish accent, like all of Dundersil does, and so Rab is actually short for Robert. Yeah, and um, I I think it's before the World Tree Falls, but real quick, uh, one of the goddamn funniest scenes in this whole game is when Rob gives that really empowered speech about going to Yggdrasil and oh, yeah. defeating Mordigan and all that. And he turns around to start walking away and his nudie mag falls out. Yeah. <laughs> and just the reaction that he's got when he, everyone's like, <gasps> and he turns around and he sees it and he just like falls down on the ground with his head down, covering it up. Just like, I read it for the articles. Fuck <laughs> 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 the articles, I tell you. <laughs> and he's so embarrassed. Everybody else is like, oh God, Rab, <laughs> with dirty old man, and then uh, cutting back to uh, a little further when you when you find Rab again, and and Henrik, <laughs> this is the first issue number one of Oakless Digest, and in mint condition. <gasps> uh, oh, <clears throat> yeah. So well, he seems, yeah. to, seems to have taken good care of it. Or whatever. <laughs> it just it cracks me up. Uh, so sorry, sorry to interrupt. Uh, continue, sir. Bit of a jump, I guess. Yeah, so Willie, where you had more to offer about that? No, part. that was. I just wanted to bring up that I thought it was cool that we got to see what Dundrasil looked like when it was still a living and beautiful kingdom, and uh, we got to see the colloquy, the uh, or colloquy, sorry, the uh, moment when the five kings were brought together and uh, you know had to view the luminary and talk about his fate. And it turns yeah. out, even when uh, King um, King Carnelian had been like shit talking you and saying oh you're the dark spawn you're like a monster it turns out he was actually just testing you know oh like i yeah. thought it was cool it was testing the uh moral fiber of the rulers of Dundrasil. like okay yeah you definitely believe in the tale of the luminary so do we we just wanted to make sure you were legit about it yeah um, <laughs> and then you're a fish yeah and then you come to and yeah. you're a fish then you're a fish <laughs> So it turns out you were being taken care of by the mermaids the whole time because you fell directly into the ocean and they saw you ca- 
caught you and protected you until you were able to wake up. Because, by God, this game is Skyrim, because every five minutes, you get a, oh, you're finally awake. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, I think and I literally probably, the like... phrase, oh, you're finally awake, happens like four times. Like, we were counting them at this point. I want to say it was two or three times I've counted now that your character gets knocked off a boat and yeah. you're unconscious floating underwater. I joked very early on that the Luminary's power is just to get knocked unconscious and show up in a bed. Yeah. <laughs> For real. Yeah. But... In order, in the interest of kind of pushing things around so we're not talking about storyline for, for too much longer, I'm going to go ahead and say that at that point you talk to the Queen um, of Nautica, Marina, and you're able to turn back into a human. A lot of stuff happens, but your goal now is to go around finding all your friends again and rebuilding the party, which you do through universal means of just going through different locations where you last played as those characters and whatnot. Um and just basically finishing the storyline that you began as those characters, or they'll just appear um, at certain plot points. But like I said, that's a long storyline where the whole thing is you're just running around the world, regaining like your knowledge of the land, seeing how everything has changed and gone to hell since Yggdrasil fell, and reuniting with your teammates. Yeah, and but... also reclaiming the orbs which uh, had been stolen at the moment of the fall of Yggdrasil, where you're claiming them back from the six greatest generals of uh, the uh, Lord of Shadows, or Mordigan's army. Right. So, so basically going to all these different places, and getting your friends, and defeating the, um, what are they called? Oh. Spectral Sentinels. Spectral Sentinels to get the orbs, correct. And uh, the the quick beats that I can think of that were really cool. Um, saving uh, Jade was interesting. Like I didn't expect that place to all the monsters who have been humans. Like I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but that was about one of the only cool things about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite though was going into the the face of the like the ill fated dude in I believe it was down in Dundrasil. Oh, the restless but, night. Yes. Yeah. Which the restless turns night. Out- I mean, I guess we're already spoiled out, so... The Restless Knight, which turns out to be your father, the King of Dundrasil. Yeah, and there was, was a... Was it Sir Erwin? Uh, King Erwin? King yeah, Erwin. And there was some sort of uh, demon that feeds on sadness and regret and yes. misfortune and things like that. That was inside him and had been feeding on him since the day that he quote-unquote died. So even after they did the ritual to send your father's and mother's souls to heaven, he was still stuck there because of that horrible monster just, like, feeding on that sadness and feasting on it. He was taunting you the whole time. And when you finally get up there and you get to give him that big-ass glass of whoop-ass, that felt good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Um, I think uh, doing the stuff with Silvando was fun. You know, it Silvando is definitely a... Uh, a a breath of uh, comic relief in the game for sure. Even though like he's got his uh, where you go and take him back to talk to his father where they had had issues. Um, but I, I thought that was pretty cool. But Silvando never fails to make me smile or laugh. Like dude is just a great character. Oh yeah. For um, sure. I, I thought it was interesting doing uh, Erdrick's lantern because I thought that that thing looked really cool. It actually yeah. reminded me of uh, there's a, a dungeon in Skyrim, I think it's down in Blackreach, um, where there's a giant orb that looks like that hanging from the ceiling, and if you hit it with Fusro Da, it summons a dragon, and you have to fight the dragon in this cave underground. Yeah. Oh, and I think one of the biggest points for me as well um, was you actually 
your first party member that you get to join you is probably not who you would expect it to be at all. So you actually go to this place called um, the The Last Bastion. Bastion. The Last Bastion, which turns out just to be cobblestone, but is the place where this great hero had been saving people, rescuing people, bringing them there, and building up a town back at the old place of cobblestone. Well, you get there, and you find out who the hero is, and that hero has been Hendrick all along. And Hendrick, once you go through all that, Hendrick actually becomes your first party member in the World of Ruin. Yeah, man. And me and him were dueling great swords, and we were dishing out some damage, son. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So that was a really cool scene, because you get to finally be friends with this person who was your adversary that was trying to kill you in the first chapter of the game is now your steadfast companion. And you also get a chance to... uh, Oh, go ahead, Ice. I was just going to say, after, you know, you get to see the King Heliodor, uh, King Carnelian of Heliodor, without the demon in him, and all of a sudden he's trying to get you guys to reunite, because he's like, you know what, man, I've done some messed up stuff, but, man, you guys are the last hope for this kingdom, please bring the light back, you, go, help this guy, Luminary, I'm sorry I messed everything up, I swear to god I was possessed, please fix the world. Like yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but the 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 spot that I left off on, because like going and getting Eric was really cool. Um, getting to see his sister and that whole backstory, where uh, he had given her a cursed item and it ended up turning her to gold. But then Mortigan gives her the power to get out of that gold and be a, a dirty little brat. Um, and she takes that opportunity. So now she's like turning everybody and everything into gold because she just can. Uh, and I also think she was possessed, right? Like the, yeah, the necklace yeah. was possessed. Yeah. Cause you end up, uh, I believe destroying the necklace in that big fight. And then I, I remember like where I was leaving off was she was laying in a bed as I was leaving the room. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I had to leave the room during that cutscene, So I kind of missed that, like what had happened to her, but yeah, basically it's like what you said is you're finally able to get the necklace off of her and, basically free her from the curse and she's she's a good person okay good <laughs> well that's good um the final story beat that i saw was going to arborea after uh helping sniffleheim with uh their you know the gold digger issue and all of that um going to arborea and meeting up with serena and um trying to find veronica and you find veronica and she's fucking dead and- yep yeah. So as it turns out, the only reason everybody else is still alive is because Veronica sacrificed herself to save everyone else. I'm not going to lie. Gave me one of those stereotypical single tears. <laughs> yeah, like, I felt bad too because like, I'm pretty sure on the last episode I literally called her mean child. Like yeah. the same words I used to describe Natsuki. And now like I'm, I feel bad because it's like, oh no, it turns out in the moment of need, she gave everything she had to make sure everyone could still be there to save luminary yeah man what a fucking sacrifice and like i i felt like that was a good redeeming quality like there at the end because i'm sure people a lot of people probably felt like you where it's like man she's just kind of bratty and bitchy but then you see this side of her where like like this where she saved everyone or when uh serena was talking to her the night when they were talking about their leaves were bloomed at the same time because they're twins uh did she think that they would fall at the same time and veronica's always like we're a little bit slow yeah she's like we well, were always a little bit slow so mm. probably not but then she's like but yeah, i hope they do up a little bit actually 
Yeah, I know, bro. Foreshadowing. It, it, it was, yeah, it was major foreshadowing, and it's like, man, it's good. It's good storytelling. Um, I I may be on the verge of being JRPG'd out for a little bit, but like, I still appreciate that this game's got really good writing in it. It's a good story. Yeah, it definitely keeps you entertained through the whole thing, even though like, because so far I've put, I think it's up to 70 hours into it, and I think I'll be done completely with the game by the time we record again, but I have been entertained the whole time. This is my second playthrough, so. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, I'm thinking I'll probably have it done too by then. Uh, I'm not too terribly far behind you guys from what I know. No, especially levels-wise, you're ahead of us. We're just yeah. ahead of you story-wise, you clown. <laughs> yeah hooray for grinding for a long period of time for no reason but no, i get it the grinding is fun like the battles in this game are actually really a lot of fun to play so and, it's not like it's a chore to get those levels and it's almost like a gambling thing with me like i go to slime island and i'm like all right when's the metal gonna show up and then when the metal shows up it's like all right is it gonna let me kill it <laughs> or is it gonna run away and i have to start this process over again and it's like this constant like all right, I got I got one metal slime. Let me try for two. Let me see if two will pop. What about what about what? three? What if I can get a whole group of them? Especially <laughs> while we're talking about monsters, I know you wanted to talk about this too. The translation of this game has so many great names for monsters. The fact that you run into this weird monster that has like an egg shaped exoskeleton and it's called exoskeleton. Like they came up with that pun completely independently of the translation. You know, like. These character names are hilarious. And yeah. like, I don't know, man. Like, all these monsters have funny-ass names. It is great. Yeah. Because yeah, I remember distinctly on my first playthrough before Willie had ever played it. And, like, I was playing on the Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch. And I was come across this one monster. And I was like, it made my day so much. I had to take screenshots of it, send it to Willie right away. Because it just cracked me up so much. And it made me so happy to be playing a Dragon Quest game. And there's this little little like boar a little pig wearing a witch hat is what the enemy looks like and its name is the sham hat witch <laughs> masterful masterful <laughs> yeah, that's fucking wonderful <laughs> it makes me so happy um, just thinking about it every time <laughs> i'm looking at like a list of the enemies right now and uh there's one that's the the dragon skeleton aptly called skelligan <laughs> um and while I'm looking for other clever ones, I want to say that uh, I'm always happy when I go to open a treasure chest and it's a mimic or a yeah. can of box. Can of box. Like in any RPG game, I'm always super happy to find a mimic because I get to kill them. Whereas in D and D, usually if you find a mimic, uh, you're all dead. <laughs> so. Well, dude, I'll be in Dragon Quest Three. I'd been wiped out by some mimics before, so. <laughs> Um, there's a... Like, I love that, like, after the fall of, uh, the Yggdrasil, there's, like, a gang that shows up, and they're called the Beastly Boys. Yeah. And then that ends up becoming, like, Sylvando's running men after that. Like, I don't know, it's, it's great. These there's things a, are so good. The Cheater Cheetah. <laughs> uh, the Masquerader, which is a, uh, like, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a big war, uh beetle bug looking thingy with two big horns that you can run with and knock rocks over yeah 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 um the trolls crack me up uh wackalites that that's great a wackalite that's a great like, that's a great fucking name um okay here's one of my absolute favorites too so there's this um dragon it, it like stands up on two feet 
that kind of uh, wears like a professor hat looking thing, like a graduation cap. And it's, oh, did I look? I lost the name. Professorus. Yeah, the Professorus. Oh, yes. Such a good joke. Absolutely. Um, I messed up because my brain wanted to call it the Velociraptor. Velociraptor? Dude, that's way better. Holy shit. Dude, that's the name of that old meme, dude. Oh, damn. (laughs) Yeah, the Velociraptor. I remember that meme. Uh, there's the, the penny pincher, which is the, uh, slot machine, slot machine that has come to life. Yeah. There's literally Um, a character named Dora that spends all their time trying to lure you into a painting where they're trying to suck all the energy and color out of the world. And when you meet her in that world, her name is Dora in gray. Yeah. Cause she's wearing gray. Holy shit. Uh, That's a great pun too. Just a, a worm with big ass lips named kisser. (laughs) <laughs> like I love it. There's a there's a special mimic in the game named Pandora's Box. Uh, just, just fucking love it. Like they yeah. they definitely they have great uh great names. Like um Legger the Man. Legger the Man, yeah. Yeah. Or uh a, a dragon that had time powers named a Clockworm. <laughs> clockworm. Uh there's Jercules and Brodisius. <laughs> like fucking yeah. Like, you guys get the idea, but, like, they're just fucking fantastic names for this game. Yeah, Jerkules is a great one. I love that one. There's uh, a cucumber named the Cruel Cumber, and his harder version is the Zoomini. Yes. And then you have a uh, Crabber Dabber Do. Crabber Dabber Do. <laughs> and a uh, Soot Bonce and Smog Bonnet. Yeah, just wonderful. Wonderful. Um. It- I think that about wraps up as far as game talk. Um, I I just I did a lot of fucking grinding. Yeah. I mean that's basically basically what I did. Um, my goal is to see a metal king slime before the end of this game. I think you can make it happen. I think I'm also uh, going to cheat and give myself max mini medals so I can see what the rest of the stuff in the list is just to be able to talk about it. Because I don't okay. actually know what... Uh, I'm, I'm doing a pretty good job of just finding them, but cheat away, my dude. <laughs> I just, I would like to say, like, I want to know what the final reward for it is, you know what I mean? And if it's any good. Because I slaved away in the casino uh, and got that two-hander sword, um, and I've replaced it by now. And I thought that the, surely that thing would last me through the rest of the game, but I was wrong. I was wrong. But, uh... Yeah, man. Um, so real quick, um, next week's episode uh, is going to be on a short game, and uh, the winner of the the poll for the short game was Gex, the original Gex. Uh, I'm looking forward to that a lot. I have never played the original Gex. I've played two and three uh, when they moved into the 3D platform space, but this is the 2D Gex. So uh, I'm looking looking very look, much looking forward to that. Yeah, um, I am as well. I might actually go ahead and stream that one on Wednesday if anybody cares to join me. Yes, and I was thinking about doing that myself on Tuesday, so maybe we could, uh, it, it'll give us something to talk about at least next week. We can compare streams and be like, yeah, well, yeah. I, wait, what, what, what did you get, you know, like, how did you experience the yada, yada, yada. Um, there is another poll up for the next short game um, after Dragon Quest, which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the next Dragon Quest episode after that would be going into Blair Witch, but we could throw one last short game in there for for a while. And then uh, it's 
your choices for this one are uh, number one, Space Quest number one, Roger Wilco and the Saurian Encounter. Uh, two is Velocity Ultra. Three is Edgar, Bok Bok and Balsack. <laughs> uh, four is Astabreed Definitive Edition, which is I think is a shoot 'em up. And uh, five, and the one that is currently in the lead is Duke Nukem, the Manhattan Project. Cool. So go and get your votes in. And as far as the normal games, um, it is pretty much locked in at this point that um, the next longer game, or no, you know, when things go back to normal after Dragon Quest, it is going to be Blair Witch. Um, unless something comes up and somehow Yakuza pulls it through, um, I don't see that happening. Uh, but Blair Witch probably going to win which is cool with me i've heard really good things about player which um and a horror game would be a, a good break from the stuff that we've been playing so it'll be cool man it'll be interesting um and nate go ahead and plug your stuff buddy also what's up man shout out mr cogsworth oh <laughs> yeah all right man y'all can find me on twitch tv on sunday's and Wednesdays at twitch.tv slash turtlebearman, and also Twitter at turtlebearman. So look forward to having y'all hanging out. Yes, yes. And also, I uh, appreciate you being perma guest host, my good man. You know, means a lot. And then, uh, Willie, would you like Yo, to uh, plug your stuff? Sure. Um, I guess I'm Icebrand Studios on Twitter and Twitch, and I still don't really do much there. So that's cool. Have fun. I'm gonna I'm gonna bug you about that every week, even though you don't really stream or tweet. Like I'm still gonna get you to plug it just because. <laughs> I mean, I spent a week and a half ago, so miracles can happen. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. Um, as far as me, man. Uh, well, first and foremost, thank you, Willie, as well for uh popping in in the uh, the co-host seat. I I truly I do appreciate that a lot, man. Um. We'll, we're gonna have some fun with some some good games and some shitty games. It, it'll it'll be a, it'll be a good time. Luckily, luckily for uh, both of you and Ryan, uh, I tended to buy at least games that were decent. So there's a handful of shitty ones, and that again is is uh, subjective. But um, it it will be it will be uh, fun to see how certain things have aged because I definitely have a lot of older games. But we'll I'm see. rambling we'll again. We'll see. Um, the Steam Machine Podcast.wordpress.com is our website. Um, you can find links to everything if you want to. Uh, you want to support the show, and uh, it really helps out a lot. You can go to uh, pa- Patreon.com/slash The Steam Machine Podcast, or you can go to uh, our website. Like I said, Steam Machine Podcast.wordpress.com, and there's a button on there that'll take you to the Patreon. Uh, it'll take you to my Bandcamp. If you want, if you like the music that you hear on the show, uh, you can go buy my albums on Bandcamp. I make that music. Um, it'll take you to a link for the show for the Twitter, a uh, link to the Discord. Come join the Discord, man. Uh, make your vote be heard. Vote for what you want to hear on the show each week. Uh, we put, I put up polls. I let uh, you guys vote on what you want, and uh, we adjust accordingly. Um, I do want to start doing... Uh, Every now and then, one of us picking a game, like maybe once a month, um, one of us picks a game um, that we don't randomize, we don't ask people for their vote, it's like one that we want to play, and uh, I think that that could be cool to do, maybe uh, like we'll rotate, you know, 
maybe one month I'll pick one. Next month Willie picks one. Next month Nate picks one. Okay. You know, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, but that's that's an idea um, that I've been mulling around in my head. But yeah, uh, come join the Discord, man. Come talk to us. Like, uh, it, it always warms my heart when. Uh, I, I see somebody join, and I'll take a screenshot of their name, and I'll send it to Willie and Nate and be like, do we know this person? <laughs> ah, we don't know this person. Yay, new person. <laughs> it's always it's always a cool feeling, man, because that means that like they found us through the show. Uh, so thank you for listening, for sure. Uh, it means, means the world. Um, and if I have, if there's anything else, I'll see I get the Discord. Oh, oh, uh, if you would, please go to iTunes. Find us on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. Uh, that would do wonders. The more reviews that we have, you know, the higher the show will show up in rankings. It helps with the analytics, yada, 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 technical bullshit. Leave us a five-star review and it would be much, much, much appreciated. Um, I still would like to give away Just Cause 3 if we hit, uh, I don't remember what I set it to uh, for five-star reviews. So I'll just say 20. We're at eight, so if we get twelve more, I will. I'll give away a copy of Just Cause Three uh, XL Edition. I believe it's the XL Edition. I could be wrong on that, but in any case, in any case, uh, please go review the show. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, I am the king of rambling on at the end of an episode, so I'm just going to shut the fuck up. Willie, Nate, thank you guys so much for coming on. I look forward to many more episodes with you dudes. Uh, I love you both. You're good dudes. Uh, I love everyone out there listening right now. Shout out to KB and Rebecca, who I know are listening while they're having their coffee, and you guys left my house earlier, so I appreciate you guys coming by and seeing the family. Uh, Enjoy your your morning listening to us talk about things that you have no fucking clue what we're talking about, but still enjoy it. Uh, For this week's episode of the Steam Machine Podcast... They are the Brothers of Destruction. I'm Dalton, and as always, guys, take it easy.